Good morning, everyone. Um, thank you for the invite, and hello for those who are listening, watching, and here. Um, let's dig in. Acts chapter 3. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in, in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into temple, into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, sorry for that, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was a lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely outstanded or astounded. This is a very interesting story for me, but to understand this story, we need to understand a little bit of his background. I mean, Peter and John are walking. They're going towards the temple. At the temple, there's this interesting sight. There's the temple, and there's a crippled man. Something's wrong with that scenario. Um, people are just passing by and giving him some, something to eat or some money so he can sustain. But there's something missing still in the scenario, and the fact is that what's missing is transformation. Now, to understand what's happening here, what Peter and John are about to do with this cripple guy, is we have to go all the way to the Old Testament. Exodus chapter um, 25, verse 8 tells us that God told Moses, make me a tabernacle so I may dwell among, and I say, quote, unquote, my people. Make me a sanctuary, a tabernacle that I may dwell among his people. Now, there's so many awesome things in this verse, but one of the things I want to point out is the fact that God wants to dwell among his people. He doesn't want to be one of those gods like in the pagan history where the gods are all the way over there and his people are all the way over here. No, God wants to dwell among his people. He wants to be in the midst of them. And so when you look at the camp of Israel, you look at the whole camp and right at the center of the camp, there is the tabernacle. And right there, the Shekinah glory, God's presence is right there in the middle of the camp. And something we need to understand about this is, is the following, is the fact that ordinary life happens in God's presence. So the good, the bad, the evil, the wonderful, the successful, the failure, everything happened in God's presence. And you can imagine one night. The couple wakes up, the married couple wakes up, and that day they feel in love. It's, it's uh, I don't know, it's a wonderful day, and there's flowers. That happened in God's presence. Maybe the next day she was mad at him and then wanted to see his face for the whole day. That happened in God's presence. Everything happened in God's presence. Whether you worshipped, whether you sinned, it happened in God's presence. 
And so one, this is my first stop, and is one I want you to hear very closely. Transformation only happens in God's presence, not away from it. It only happens in God's presence. God is wanting you to be in his presence. He wants to be in your presence. He wants to be there because he knows that transformation only happens in his presence. And so often we have gone far away to then come back to God so he can transform us. Or probably we've just gone far away and we just stay far away because it's scary. So often they have taught us to fear God and be afraid of him. I don't know, but I, all of us have grown up in that, in that fear, you know, be afraid of God. I, the cartoons are, are a good example of that. You know, I don't know how many of you remember Bugs Bunny when he was around. But Bugs Bunny and the people who used to chase him get electrified, you know, the, the thunders and the lightning would fall and hit them. And it was every, every time they did something wrong. And, and that was their perception of that's God. You know, we cannot misbehave. They have taught us to fear God. From middle ages, dark ages, church fathers, Protestants versus Catholics, Catholics versus Protestants. We have learned to fear God. Witch hunts here in America. God has been placed in a context where we have to be afraid because if we do not comply to what God tells us, this is what's going to happen. So if you don't do this, this is what's going to happen to you. And so we often hide like Adam did. We run away. But God is saying, no, I want you to be in my presence. I want to be in your presence because transformation only happens. You don't need to be afraid of me. That's why John the Baptist, when talking about Jesus, said, here is the Lamb of God. God made himself to the point of being a lamb, vulnerable, so he can be approachable. And so you can be right in front of him. And so here we have God saying, I want you to be in my presence. I want to walk with you. I want to struggle with you. Even if you're indifferent in me, with me, even if you don't believe in me, even if you have doubts about me, I want you to be in my presence. And I want to be in your presence. Let's wrestle together. Let's fight like I did with Jacob. Only in God's presence is where transformation happens. It's almost awesome because the temple became this this, this, this dynamic temple that walked with Israel throughout the desert. And further on in the Old Testament, we find something very interesting about the temple. And it's every time, every time Israel forgot to bless the poor, bless the orphan, bless the widow, bless the least of these. Every time they went into idolatry and every time they found the sense against God. And so in Ezekiel, we find this interesting picture. The first ten chapters of Ezekiel is judgment. Israel loses God's presence. And further on in the book of Ezekiel, they lose the temple. It is completely destroyed. They go into exile, but not without the promise of God going with them into exile. Even though they had, they had missed, they had failed. God goes with them still. And so suddenly, in the book of Haggai, we find God telling them 
make my sanctuary. Pay attention and build my tabernacle. Why? Because when we go into the New Testament, we find something very interesting. In the New Testament, we find two temples. We find the Herodian, Herodian temple and we find Jesus. And the Herodian temple was stagnant. It was, it was just right there, standing still, not doing absolutely nothing, making a difference. You can go to God. You can't go to God. You are acceptable. You are not acceptable. You are cursed. Get away from here. But then we have Jesus, a dynamic temple, moving within the people. He sits with the drunks and the people who eat a lot. He spends time with those who are sinners. He touches lepers. He doesn't condemn prostitutes. He embraces them. He loves them. He cares for them. He spends time with them. He enters into their world. And so we have two temples. One that says, come to me if you're clean. And the other one that says, I'm going to you in spite of whatever your life is. In John chapter 1, verse 14, we find something interesting. We find that we have seen his glory, and this word for glory is basically a Shekinah glory. It's God's presence. Jesus is the temple embracing people where they are. And so we come all the way to the book of Acts. And here we are. Peter and John are walking, and there we have the temple, and the temple has has done absolutely nothing with the crippled guy, and here is John and Peter come, and they see the crippled guy, and they say, he is in need. I don't have gold. I don't have silver. I come to think about, you know, about these, these words, gold and silver. I don't have gold or silver. I'm not here to nurture your vicious cycle of hurting yourself. How many times we fall in the routine of punishing ourselves a feeling that we're not worthy. How many times we fall into the spiritual identity of, uh, of I'm not good enough, God, don't pay attention to me, I'm, I'm this, I'm that. I mean, we think about so many ways of staying away from God because we think that we're not good enough. And God says, no, I want to be in your presence. And I like what John and Peter does. I'm not here to nurture that vicious cycle that you have in that head. I'm not here to affirm your, your punishment cycle or your devaluation cycle. I'm not here to devalue you or point out your, that you're crippled or point out that you messed up in your life. I'm here to give you Jesus and what that means. And so when, when Peter and John give him Jesus, this crippled guy, he just gets up and he's excited and he starts running up and down and praising God and walks into the temple. This is the temple. The temple is not to be still or, or just in one place with four walls and let's get in here and that's it. That's not the function of the temple. The temple is a dynamic temple. A temple that invades darkness. That's not afraid of walking in where darkness exists. It's right there where the temple wants to be. It's right there where the temple wants to touch lives. It's like scary areas that we so much ignore. 
I remember I was working in this area, and, and I'm looking for this lady, and I'm knocking on doors looking for the lady, and all of a sudden, I see these three drunks that are right in front of me, and I ask for the lady. I'm saying, hey, have you seen this lady? And this drunk gets up, and he says, that lady, she's my wife. Who are you? I look at him, well, I'm pastor. If you're a pastor, preach to us right now. And he looked at me. Now, I have to remind you, this, this guy was Hispanic, so he had some macho on him, and, and he, they get jealous. <laughs> so he looked at me, waiting for the sermon, and so I'm uh, going, yeah, okay, so what should I preach? And another drunk gets up and says, and preach to us of Psalms 23. I'm like, okay, Psalms 23 it is. <laughs> and so I'm about to speak about Psalms 23 when the same drunk gets up and he says, and tell it to us by memory. And he sits down. <laughs> and I'm thinking, thank God for Pathfinders, if you know what that is. <laughs> and so I start, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. Thou shalt not want. I know it is Spanish, not in English, though. And so I share the Lord is thy shepherd, and thou shalt not want. I keep on, you know, until I finish. When I finish it, he's crying. And he looks at me, and he says, you know, I was going to be a priest. Thank you for sharing that with and so I talked about Psalms 23. And after I finished, and, and by the way, what I'm talking about, their, their amens and hallelujahs are, good one, pastor, good one. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I finished the little devotional, and, and we pray, and then I ask, so is, is your wife here at home? No, she's not here. And I look at him, you made me go through all that. <laughs> And so I say, I have, I have a question for you guys. Would you guys like to come to my church? And they are like, yeah, yeah. So there's a bus that passes by here at 7 o'clock. I want you to stand right there. When you see that white bus, just get into the bus, and I'll see you at church tonight, okay? Is that a deal? Yeah, no problem. Okay, see you there. So it was Wednesday night. I was excited. I was at my church. And usually Wednesday nights, you know, were not that dynamic. So I was very excited to have drunks in the church. Um, <laughs> So I'm waiting for them, and suddenly the bus comes in, and the people at the church walk out, and they're pinching their nose. Oh, my goodness, Pastor, it stinks in there. Oh, and they're doing all that thing, and I'm like, yeah, I, I, what happened? And all of a sudden, the three drunks come out. Pastor, we made it. <laughs> and it's so funny, you know how drunks want to be, like, very uh, behaved when, when they're drunk, but they don't know how to be behaved, but they want to be behaved because they're in the church especially, you know, and so they took off their hat, oh, pasta. and I said, follow me, and they're like, <laughs> trying, trying to follow me, and, and so we got into the church, and they stank the whole church, I have to tell you, air conditioning, and the smell, it, was, it stank horribly, and so all the church members, they're just, you know, and there they are, the three drunks, and I preached that day about Psalms 23, finished the sermon, went to say hello to everybody, and the uh, drunk came up to me. He says, Pastor, that was a great sermon. I'm going to bring all my friends over here. <laughs> I look at him. I'm like, well, you're not only a drunk, you're a missionary drunk. <laughs> it's awesome. And so suddenly, suddenly um, next Wednesday, uh, the, the bus comes in. And uh, there's all the church members, by the way, they found transportation miraculously. And... Um, <laughs> And, and, you know, uh, outside of the, the, out, out of the bus comes 
all the, dr- the it was full of drunks. He brought all his friends, and and uh, now the church stank more. And um and it was the whole pews they were they were like full, and and so uh, you know every Wednesday that was church time for them. And so my lead pastor at that time he was Cuban, and he gives me a call. Casillas, I'm hearing that there's uh, some drunks going to the church. Dude, you're missing out. You should check it out. And, and so we switched churches, and so he preached that Wednesday night there. And all of a sudden, he met all the drunks. The next morning, we got together. Oh, the church stunk so much. A lot, of, a lot of drunks. I'm like, yes, yes. One day, a lady came by and, um, and told the drunk of Psalms 23, hey, you've been coming to church. You should take a bath. You should stop drinking. We're in God's house. And you should, you, should, you should get baptized and you should do all these things. And, and because we're, you know, you have to behave in God's presence. That night, the drunk came, ran after me, and he says, Pastor, I, I appreciate you, but I'm never coming back to this church again. And we lost all our drunks. What is church for if not for the lost? What is the temple placed here on earth if not for the people who are in need? If we're not going to wrestle with people in their darkness, let's close church, please. Paul tells us in Corinthians that we are the temple. And the temple is not that one that has four walls. The temple is one that is dynamic, running from one place to another, reaching, touching, walking, invading the darkness in this world. The temple is not afraid of sin. It's not afraid of people who sin. It's not afraid of tattoos. It's not afraid of lifestyles. It's not afraid of how people comb their hair if they have any. (laughs) The temple is there to restore, to redeem, to bless, to reach. And you are the temple now. And God through you wants to bless, reach, redeem, invade. We are an army of people for this world to reach, bless, and invade. And so if you tell me that you don't have it, that you don't have it all together, I have to tell you that I don't have it all together either. I'm as lame as any man is. Um, I was in this airplane and I always wanted somebody very important to sit right beside me. And these two models happened to come in. And I stood up, and I'm like, hi, welcome in. And they sat right beside me, and I was thinking about what is a good liner to tell them because, you know, we guys don't have good liners. And so I'm thinking, you know, I have to say something very impressive, and, and Lord, help me out because I'm single, you know, and this is a good opportunity for me. And, and so at that point, God invades my head and finally says, passion, passion for the lost. And I fought with God. Until he won. I said, okay, okay. So I grabbed my Bible, started reading, and this girl looks at me and says, you're a pastor. I look to the side, and I'm like, passion for the lost, passion for the lost. (laughs) And so I look, and he says, yes, I'm a pastor, and says, hey, can I see your Bible? Looks at the Bible, looks at her Psalms, favorite Psalms, looks at me and tells me, hey, I had a divorce just nine months ago. And the other girl tells me, and I had an abortion. And I had the opportunity to minister to them in their pain. God is here for you. And he uses people like you and me 
to bless people who are hurting and are wounded, to be restored and to be brought back to the kingdom. May God bless your life today. Amen. Amen.